There is a story about a king in Sparta, uh, in ancient Greece, uh, who was boasting to a visiting monarch about the mighty walls of Sparta. The mighty walls of Sparta. And so this monarch was walking around Sparta, and he said, where are they? I see no walls. Where, where are the mighty walls of Sparta? The king of Sparta pointed to some of his soldiers and said, they, they are the mighty walls of Sparta. It wasn't with, with walls of, of brick and mortar. It wasn't with walls of stone, but it was the people. It was the soldiers of Sparta who made up the mighty walls of Sparta. This morning, we're going to continue in our new series, this brief sermon series we have begun here at the beginning of 2015 called The New Year's Revolution. We're talking about being the church this year. That's our theme for 2015, to be the church. Not just go to church, not just do church-type activities, but rather we are going to be the church. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to take our faith outside of these four walls and into our world. We're going to take our faith into our community. Our faith is going to impact us and change us and transform us. And it's going to overflow out of us into our world. We are going to be difference makers. We're going to have a positive impact, a positive influence, a, a, make a positive difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Because our world is falling apart. Because our world is in desperate need of a Savior. Our world is in desperate need of the love that God's people have for one another and for this world. They need the love that God has for this world. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We need to live out our faith each and every day. Not just as individuals, but as a church as well. As a church, we need to be living out our faith. Last week we talked about being salt and being light from Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. If you haven't had a chance to see the sermon, you can go online to our website at gfcc.net and you can view it online uh, there at uh, our website. Uh, we put the sermon up every week. You can see my sermon from last week. You can see Gene's sermon from the week before and Stephen's sermon from the week before that. Uh, so if you missed any of our sermons, you can always find them online at gfcc.net. But we talked about being salt and light last week and how we need to permeate every area of our world. We need to uh, just infect our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to live out the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection each and every day. We need to be living it out. This death of Jesus, this resurrection of Jesus, this blessed hope that we have that comes through Jesus Christ. Everywhere we go and everything we do, God calls us to do more than just go to church. He calls us to be the church. Because buildings of stone, buildings of brick, buildings of wood, they crumble and fall. Eventually, they all crumble and fall. But the church is more than buildings of brick. The church is more than buildings of wood. The church is more than just steel and metal. We are the church. We are Christ's church. We are Christ's ambassadors. Everywhere we go, we must be the church. The living church of Jesus Christ will never falter, it will never fall, it will never fail. Jesus said that on, his ro on the rock of faith, on the rock of 
belief in him that he will build his church and even the gates of hell will not overcome it even the gates of hades will not overcome his church nothing can stop or defeat his church not terrorism not false religions not cults or false beliefs not false teachers or false prophets not even isis can stop the church of jesus christ nothing can stop his church when his church is being the church though many may come against it though many may come against us nothing can stop us for the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world then nothing can overcome us if we are being the church if we are doing what christ has called us to do if we are being who god has made us to be then nothing can overcome us nothing can stop us if god is for us who can be against us and the reality of the situation is that god is for us there is nothing and there is no one that can stop the church of jesus christ we have a sure foundation our chief cornerstone jesus a cornerstone is the first stone that is laid in a foundation it is the first stone you set and that stone has to be sure and rock solid and it has to be straight on all four sides because the cornerstone was the stone by which you laid all the other stones going out from it and so if you did not have a straight uh, cornerstone you would not have plumb walls if you did not have plumb walls they would be uh, crooked and if you have crooked walls you have a crooked or uh, crooked foundation you have crooked walls and crooked walls lead to falling buildings but Jesus is the sure cornerstone. He is plumb. He is square. He is sure and rock solid. And he is the foundation on which the church is built. And with him we have a sure foundation. That will never crumble. That will never fall. That will never fall apart. He is not a foundation of sinking sand. He is a so foundation of solid rock. That is Jesus. And he is our foundation. He is the foundation upon which our church is built. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-12. through 12. And that's where we're going to be this morning. We're talking about who we are as a church. And not only who we are, but how we should live. So grab your Bible. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-12. through 12. Also grab your bulletin, and there are uh, some places that you can take notes on page 3. And we're going to read from 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. In verse 3 he says, you have, tasted in, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So he's talking about Jesus, uh, Peter is. And then he comes to verse 4 and says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by god and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ for in scripture it says see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame now to you who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. 
They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The first uh, thing I want to say this morning is that we are like Jesus and that he is the living stone. We are like Jesus because he is the living stone and Peter calls us living stones as well we are living stones now how are we like jesus are we perfect are we sinless absolutely not you know yourself i know myself we know that we are all too uh, susceptible to sins and struggles to shortcomings we know our failures we know our frailties we know our faults we know that we need a savior and that is why God sent his son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He is the reason that Jesus came, to seek and to save the lost. And if we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believe in him, repent from sin, confess our faith and be baptized, we'll be saved. We know we need a savior. But why? Why do we need a savior? Because we are sinners. We are sinners. Peter compares us as living stones to Jesus, the living stone. Kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? A living stone. When you think about a rock, when you think about a stone, the last thing you think is, well, I wonder if that stone's alive. No, it's a stone. It's a rock. It, it doesn't live. It, it has no, it can't breathe. It can't do anything except sit there. That's what a stone does. But yet, Peter calls Jesus a living stone. Like I said, it sounds like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Like Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears. It just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't fit somehow. I don't know. Jesus was crucified. He was dead in the ground and buried. The stone was rolled in front of the grave. But on the third day, on the third day, the stone was rolled away and the living stone came up out of the grave, came out of the tomb alive forevermore. He is the living cornerstone, the precious cornerstone, precious to God the Father and precious to us as well. We uh, are like living stones, he says. We were dead, but now we are alive. Jesus is the living cornerstone of our faith and of our church. And like I said, we are like him in that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house, being built into a church. We are like living stones being built into this uh, impressive, uh, powerful force for change and good in this world. We are the church. We haven't always been this way, though. Paul talks about how Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. He's talking to the Gentiles there, and he says, You are no longer foreigners and aliens, you are outside the faith, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself 
as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built into the spiritual house where God lives. He lives in his people. He lives in the church. He is alive, a living stone, not dead. God's not dead. He is alive. We, as his people, filled with the Holy Spirit, we, as the church, filled with his presence, should be alive as well. We must be a living being, a living church. That's one of my greatest desires, is that when somebody walks in off the street for the very first time, they walk in through that door into the blue awning, that when they come in this room, when they come in this building, when they come in this place, their first impression is that this place is alive. That there is life here. Because that life and that uh, aliveness comes from our living Savior. The living stone. The living cornerstone. The foundation of our faith. The foundation of our church. If the foundation of our church is a living stone, then our church must be alive. If the foundation of our lives is a living stone, then we must be living stones. We must be alive, full of the life that only God can give to us, full of the life that only Jesus gives. That is the life that he gives to us by his death and by his resurrection. We are alive, my friends. We are alive. Jesus is the living cornerstone. He is the foundation of this living spiritual house that God has called us to be, that God has called the church. And as living stones, we have a job to do. Jesus offered up his life as a spiritual sacrifice. He, and, uh, he gave up his life, and not only as a spiritual sacrifice, but as a literal sacrifice. And now he calls us to do the same, to offer spiritual sacrifices, to s- offer spiritual sacrifices to God in our service to him. We are made worthy and acceptable through the spiritual and literal sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now through him, our spiritual sacrifices are made worthy and acceptable to God. Our, uh, Jesus is the promised precious cornerstone. In Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen, it says that those who trust in him will never be put to shame. He was prophesied hundreds of years before. Before he ever came, that he would come and be the Messiah, and that he would be the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is that promised precious cornerstone talked about in the book of Isaiah. Jesus is that stone. Those who believe in him and accept him are saved by him, turned into living stones. Those who deny him, those who reject him, stumble over him. They fall into destruction. Now, this is very important. You see, Jesus is the stone that causes men to stumble and fall. We are not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Boy, I sounded like a dad there, didn't I? Do you understand what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the stone that causes men to stumble and fall. He is the stone that causes people to trip and fall. In other words, people who reject him, who deny him, say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. They stumble over him and they fall to their destruction. And that is tragic and horrible and we cannot allow that to happen. But we are not the living stones that cause that to happen. Okay? This is so important. We should not be doing anything that is going to cause people to stumble and fall into hell. That's not our job. 
We should not be doing anything that is going to cause people to stumble and fall to their destruction. That's not what we do. That's not who we are. Jesus is the stone. We are not that stone that make people stumble. People should never stumble and fall over us. That is the job of the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the one who causes men to stumble and fall. The church is not the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. We must do everything that we can to get out of people's way. We must do everything we can to get out of the way of people whom Jesus is seeking because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We need to get out of people's way. When churches make headlines or when Christians live hypocritical lives and we make people stumble, we are not doing our job correctly. People should not stumble over us. And we must do everything that we can to help people follow, to follow Jesus, not walk away from him. Everything that we can do. To help people follow, uh, follow Jesus, not walk away. Now, not only are we living stones, but we are also chosen. In, in verses uh, 8 through 10, we see that uh, we are chosen, the, the people of God. That there is a destiny for all people. Some will, many will stumble and fall. They will stumble over the cornerstone. And they will fall to their destruction. They will not accept the truth of Jesus. And they will stumble and fall over him to destruction in hell. And that is horrible. That, is, that should be the worst thought in our minds. That somebody would reject Jesus Christ and stumble their way into an eternity separated from him. That must be the most, uh, as a church, that has to be the most horrible, hideous thought that we could possibly imagine. That somebody might uh, stumble over us. That somebody might not make it into heaven. Our job is to do everything we can to keep that from happening. If Jesus was willing to lay down his life to keep people out of hell, people like you and me, if Jesus was willing to lay down his life to keep us out of hell, we should be willing to lay down our lives, to lay down our personal preferences, to lay down our desires, to lay down anything that is going to keep somebody out of heaven. And we've got to lay it down to make those spiritual sacrifices, to make whatever sacrifice is necessary, to do whatever is necessary to keep people out of hell and to get them into heaven. Whatever it takes, short of watering down the gospel, short of preaching a different gospel, short of uh, violating scripture, anything else is fair game. You can say, oh, I, I don't like, I didn't like that new song we sang today. Well, what didn't you like about it? First of all, it's a great song. I mean, it talks about the cross and Jesus and dying, and that's, that was an awesome song. But you say, I don't, I don't like the music we sing. But you know what? Somebody out there might. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus might walk in here and go, wow, that was incredible. That music was awesome. It touched my heart, and I want to know more about this Jesus whom we sang about. I don't like the way the pastor dresses. I used to like the way he dressed. Now, not so much. But you know, if somebody walks in here, I don't know if I want to say this or not. Somebody walks in here in blue jeans, and they see the pastor up here in blue jeans, they may say, now that guy knows me. He connects with me. I can connect with him. He communicates with me. He doesn't talk over my head. He talks with me. He's on my level. I connect with him. They see people in the, in the pews in blue jeans, and they go, I connect with those people. I'm not here to put on a fashion show. Well, kind of, I am. I, I like to be fashionable. I like to look good. I'm not here to impress you with my dress or my jeans. I don't wear a dress. 
We're not here for any other purpose than to keep people out of hell. We who have found bread, we beggars who have found bread are here to help other beggars find bread. That is why we are here. And if anything, if anything is fair game other than scripture, we leave it alone. We preach it, we teach it, we live by it. But anything else is fair game. Whatever it takes to reach the world, whatever it takes to connect with people outside of this building so that they hear the good news, so that we'll, we'll remove whatever hindrance, whatever stumbling block, whatever may cause somebody to keep from hearing the gospel, we're going to get rid of it so that they can hear the gospel. Man. You know people. I know people. And they don't know Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, they don't go to heaven. It's just that simple. The Bible's clear. And if we don't do something about it, if we sit here on a Sunday morning going, eh, no big deal. Maybe next week. Or maybe they'll find a different church. How can we say that? We're literally saying to hell with you if we say that. Can we say that? Can you say that? Can I? I can't say that. I can't. People need Jesus just as much as we do. We don't keep him to ourselves. We share him with the world. And whatever it takes to get that message out there, we're going to do it. I promise you that. I promise you that. The world needs the grace of God. Because, you see, Christians are destined for heaven, not because of our good deeds, not because we're so wonderful, not because we're so great, but because of the great, wonderful grace of God, for the wonderful grace of Jesus. That is why we get to go to heaven. We are called out of the darkness and into the light of his mercy. We don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get a gift of grace. God determined before time began that people who accepted his son, who believed in his son, would spend eternity with him. He also determined before time began that whoever rejected his son would not spend eternity with him. And we are his people. We are the people of God. We have been chosen by him to have this gift of salvation. We are God's people and we should act like it. We are more than just ordinary people. We are the people of God and we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are all priests. We are all ministers. We are all servants of God. We are a holy nation. Holy meaning that we are set apart to live differently. We should not live like the world. We should not live like the pagans. We should live differently. We belong to God. We are God's people. We should live differently. Nothing can change the fact that you are God's child. We are his people. We are his children. We declare his praises for what he has done in our lives. If you are walking or stumbling in the darkness, there is a light to help you see. His name is Jesus. And he is calling you out of the darkness. He is calling you out of your sin. Come and receive his grace. Come and see the light. Get out of the darkness and into the light of his love and mercy. Jesus is good and he is kind and he is gentle and he loves you. He will not smite you for what you've done. He wants to forgive you for all that you've done. He wants to give you meaning and purpose in your life. 
He wants to give you hope and he wants to give you joy and he wants to make you one of his children, to make you one of his people so that you can have all of these things and heaven too. You can come today. We'll offer an invitation in just a few minutes. You can come today. Receive this gift of grace. Today. We are living stones. We are a chosen people. And we are different. We are aliens and strangers. We are different. We don't belong here, my friends. This is not home. Several years ago, y'all, many of you remember this. You may not know the story, but our house was eaten by termites. We had to move out for five months. And uh, we stayed over here at the apartment for about two weeks, and that was like, it, it's small. And we have lots of stuff. We had a 3,000-square-foot home in Minnesota. We moved to a 1,300-square-foot. We moved 3,000 square feet of stuff to a 1,300-square-foot home in, in Indiana. And uh, there was a lot of stuff. And so the 800-square-foot the apartment held even less than the 1,300-square-foot home of the 3,000-square-feet thir- 3, of stuff. So um, we lived in this apartment for like four and a half months. And I'll tell you what. It didn't feel like home. You know why? Because it wasn't our home. Our home felt like home. We weren't there, though. You see what I'm saying? This world is not our home. We don't belong here. Our home is in heaven. The Bible says that our true citizenship is in heaven. That is where we belong. We are aliens here. We are strangers here. We don't belong here. This is not our home. We may take up residency here for a little while, but this world is not our home. We are not of this world. Heaven is where we belong. That is our home, sweet home. So knowing that we don't belong here, knowing that we are just pilgrims here, that we're just sojourners, that we're just traveling, we're just passing through, knowing that we don't belong here, why do we live as though we do? Why do we live like the rest of the world? Why do we live like we belong here, like this world is our home? Why do we live like this life is all that there is? We are supposed to be different, and yet we all look the same. We do not abuse our families. We are God's people. We do not get drunk. We are God's people. We do not cheat. We do not live lives of immorality. We are God's people. We do not use foul language or tell dirty or racist jokes. We are God's people. We are to be living holy lives because we are God's people. We are who? We are God's people. We are different than the world. We are to live different lives. We are to live lives of holiness and righteousness. Peter says that we are to live good lives. Lives of righteousness, lives of goodness, lives of holiness, lives of faithfulness to Jesus. And when we do good deeds, when we live good lives among the pagans, among the world, when we live these good lives, something amazing happens. People outside our faith, people outside the faith, they take notice. They look around and see, there's something wrong with that guy. There's something wrong with that woman. They're not like everyone else. I wonder what makes them so different. What makes them so weird? We should be weird. Because the world and their view of normal will never get this. They will never understand why we live this way. We should look weird. We should look different than the world. And they may accuse us of doing wrong. They may accuse us 
but their accusations will not stick. They are unfounded. We have to live differently. As Christians and as a church, we must be different. We have to be the church. We have to be difference makers. We have to be salt and light. We have got to get outside of these four walls and live out our faith every day. Don't be that Christian. Don't be that guy, that girl. Don't be the reason that someone doesn't want to check out church. Don't be the reason that someone doesn't want to have a relationship with Jesus. Don't be that hypocrite. Don't be that pew sitter who comes in every week and leaves their faith in the pew. Don't be that angry, violent person who is crushing the faith of your family. Don't be that obnoxious, loudmouthed guy or girl who makes people stumble. Don't be the reason that people don't want Jesus. Does that make sense? Don't be the reason that people don't want Jesus. Don't be the reason that people don't want anything to do with church. Be the living stone that God has called you to be. Just as the warriors of Sparta were the walls of Sparta, may the people of God be the church of God. Let us be the church of living stones built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let us be the church that makes a difference outside of these four walls. Let us be the church that draws people closer to Christ rather than pushing them away from him by hypocrisy. Let us be the church that is known for love and good deeds. Let us be the church, for that is who we are. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts of not only our sin and hypocrisy, but that you would convict of our, our hearts of our need to change, to be different, to be your people, the people of God. I thank you for Peter's words, and I thank you for sending Jesus, our chief cornerstone, the stone upon which our faith is built. And I pray that you would help us to be living stones this week, to go out into the world, to change the world, to be difference makers, to be the church. You have called us to so much more than just pew-sitting in ordinary lives. You have called us to be aliens and strangers, to be different. Help us to do just that. It's in Jesus' name we pray.